where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skill team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. It's coming up on 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on this. Thursday morning after St. Louis went 2-0 and on Wednesday. Michelle, good morning. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. You could really say 3-0 and with M-I-Z. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. <laughs> that was a big win last night. One of the all-time great lines was uh, when in the time soon after Mizzou moved to the SEC, Somebody came to Mike Kelly. They were playing a Big 12 opponent. I'm Mike Muslim. Kelly. Yep. And said, uh, hey, what do you like better? The, do you miss the Big 12? And Mike said, would you rather spend an evening in Ames, Iowa or Gainesville, Florida? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I can attest to Hey, I've been to both. And believe me, SEC. Let's go to Gainesville, Florida. Especially during football so, season. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, really, in the... The basketball season, too. Yeah. You, it gets you, cold, man. It, oh, great point. Right. So, oh, yeah, February in Florida or yeah. Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll do Gainesville. Yeah. That was a good win last night, though. Now they're in the, now I have no doubts they're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Joe Lenardi had them as an eight seed yesterday, and they should move up. But it's just such a weird college basketball season. If ever there was a year to let everybody participate in the tournament, this is it. Just have a free-for-all? Yeah. Make it fun. Yeah. Well, that's what I said, too, and you guys, I think, were in agreement with me. If there was ever a year to do an 8- or 16-game foot uh, football playoff, mm-hmm. this right. was this it. This would have been it. This, just do it this year. Overnight, the Blues with a win over the uh, Ducks. The final score, 3-2. We said the Blues need to win more 2-1, 3-2 games, right? They were listening, Randy. They were. <laughs> and the Blues went 3-for-3 three three on the power play. Oscar Sundquist got one in the first period. Then in the second period, Braden Shen scored for the Blues to make it 2-0. Max Comtois scored for the Ducks to make it 2-1 after 2. But then in the third period, at the 13-08 mark... Now off Cairo walks it in front, tries to jam it loose. There it is, a score! The long reach of Sanford gets the job done for the Blues. Their third power play goal of the game, and the Blues go up 3-1 with 6.52 to play in the third period. And the Ducks got one with nine seconds left. Ricard Raquel to make it a 3-2 final. Blues, after that three-game losing streak, now are back on the winning track. They look, they look great, and who would have thought that they would continue to grind out all of these wins when they're missing so many key players. But what we saw out of the power play last night, I think, is the type of performance we've been expecting all season from this Blues power play unit. And I'll tell you what, Danny, you've been through 
injury issues with all teams. One of the things you have to do is you have to get everybody on the same page. It's not easy to do when you have half a dozen, eight new players on your team. Can I admit something? Yeah. I uh, fell asleep. It happens. It, I, you so, had a baseball game yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say, you had day. another game to well, do. So. I did, but I did see some of it. I did see the whole thing, and I did see Bennington bounce back. So that was the good thing that I was looking for to see how he would play. He's played a lot here recently. So mm-hmm. I was concerned a little bit just to see, because they've ridden him hard, how he would look. And I thought he would he looked very good early on, and that kind of set the tone of the game. And he likes the way that all of these new players have come together. You know, we need wins right now, and uh, it's good everyone's contributing. And, um, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's been a good roadie, and he's been working hard. and feels like the team is is working together and hopefully we can keep that keep that going uh, for the rest of this road trip here and in the future when you hear jordan bennington speak Rody. you would never roadie <laughs> just the tone of his voice the cadence it's almost soft in some ways mm-hmm. you would not picture the guy who is pushing people and and making no. a scene on his way as he skates off the ice no it happens some people when they get on the ice or the court or the field their personality just changes yes. completely. Well, they have blackouts. Yeah. You know, ra- or the rage outs or whatever. Blackout rage. Not a bad thing. I I've, I've better you, zip it. If you just leave it to the <laughs> field, though, leave it to the field. Don't do it anything off the field. Or the booth. Or the... Oh, yeah, well, that's... Well, the booth is your different. field, right? <laughs> Correct, The Michelle. light goes on. It's, it's showtime. It's or game your time. ESPN studio. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. All right, sorry. So the Blues lost those games to the Kings, and we were all saying, what the hell is going on here? Why have they played better lately? Uh, we were playing well. Uh, the puck wasn't really, we weren't getting bounces, and um, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it gets tough before things start to go your way, and um, you just kind of got to persevere and keep being relentless and, um, you know, be positive, and the, the group's done a good job and uh, all around. So, um, you know, it's good, uh, like I said, Bringing that energy into the start of this road trip has been good. It's one thing that under Craig Bruby has been consistent and relentless is a good word for it. They were not relentless in the waning days of the Mike Yo regime. And it doesn't matter now. Every single night, win or lose, they are at least trying. Well, it's not going to be easy this year. Here's the thing I've taken away from this schedule. I thought it was going to be... A lot of fun to see these back-to-backs. I didn't want to see seven in a row. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll admit that. But I thought the back-to-backs would bring over a lot of the, the 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 physical play and those kind of things. I think as we're getting now into March, I don't know if you guys have agreed with this, but the games I'm watching, it's starting to pick up that mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. aspect of the games a little bit more. You're starting to see the positioning of the playoffs and understand that there is a little bit of the dimmer of the the flicker of the light at the end of the tunnel that you're starting to see it that look we got to pick it up we got to play this way the other thing i I find really fascinating are the tight games every single game it seems like is a one goal game you don't have blowouts every game's tight which is from a fan's perspective is fun and if you're willing to do the things the little things that you need to do if you're willing to go to the net, get those greasy goals, mm-hmm. you're going to come away with victories. So they played on the perimeter against the Kings, yep. and that's starting to change on this road trip. If you notice that, too, you're seeing guys in front way more, and, and there's traffic, and I know that's cliche in, in hockey, but if you're watching the game, just watch. Look at the bodies in front of the net, and if you're on the perimeter and you're taking a lot of those shots outside there, there's a it really doesn't do a lot. So you've got to be in front. You've got to cause havoc. Sonny says there's a method to their madness. 
I think we're we're attacking more now and and we're going a little bit more downhill and, and trying to attack the net more often and uh, and then we're winning puck battles. Uh, last couple of games we've been outworking the the, the penalty kills, so uh, that's what we need to keep doing and uh, the goal's gonna keep coming, I'm sure. When the Blues, I don't want to say when they were scuffling, but when things didn't look like they were gelling as consistently as we thought that they should, what was the thing that we kept hearing from Craig Berube or Ryan O'Reilly? Consistent effort, intensity, working hard. And it feels like with so many players out, the Blues have been forced to do that. They right. have no other option other than to get that consistent work effort. And as as we just heard from Sonny, get those puck battles. Go out there, foot on the pedal the entire game. So the Blues come away with a 3-2 victory over the Kings. Same two teams are over the Ducks, Blues and the Kings tomorrow night, pregame at 7 here on 101 ESPN Faceoff at 8 o'clock. Down in Florida, the Cardinals with a victory over the Mets, 14-9. Nolan Arenado, his first RBI wearing a Cardinal jersey. Also. Line drive and a base hit. Arenado puts the Cardinals on the board. Edmund will score and Nolan Arenado drives in his first as a St. Louis Cardinal to make it 3-1. Get used to it. Uh, yeah, get used to a lot of those. Uh, his first two hits have been with two strikes and going the other way. Here's the thing I noticed, and Jimmy Edmonds brought it up on, on the game yesterday for those that didn't watch, and if you didn't, that's that's not acceptable. But you're probably listening to 101 ESPN, which is okay, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. The, the preference will be sure. to watch the game. All right. Um, he talked about how, and I'm noticing this, how balanced he is at the plate. He balanced every – he's – there's just not a. You may see the movement, and there's a difference between having movement and having balance. And you also see what I'm noticing: how far he follows the ball to his bat or to his glove. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, even when it's a ball, just watching it in. And I, I've seen video of him in the cage. I've seen video of him just doing soft toss things like that. But those were both times two strike hits going the other way. And uh, as you said, Randy, get used to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that made the score three to one. Jose Martinez benefited from an Austin Dean error in the top of the second. It was a five one Mets lead, but then the Cardinals put a couple of runners on for John Nagowski in the bottom of the second. And he lifts a high fly ball out to deep <laughs> left field. You. It's at the wall and it is gone. Home run Nagowski. Three run shot. He heard you. He says, I'll show you, Dan. I can hit a home run here or there. John Nagowski, three-run homer. I was just saying, right before that pitch, he has occasional power, doesn't strike out, and will draw a lot of walks. But occasional power, and then, boom, hits the home run. He, to me, is an interesting uh, option for the Cardinals. Now, do I think he's going to make the 26-man roster? I do not. But do I think we're going to see him at some point this year? Very well could. He is the anti-modern-day player because he is a guy that doesn't strike out a lot. And all of a sudden, when you look at a, a vital piece of a puzzle off a bench, what, do you, what would you love to see? You would love to see someone with power, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, and, and be able to drive the ball out of the ballpark. And he, he can, as he just uh, showed you right there, and you heard it. But he puts the ball in play. He gives you a really competitive bat at bat off the bench. He plays first base, so he's going to have to learn another position. And he has played the outfield. He did that at Florida State. He's done it a little bit in the minor leagues. 
and he told us uh, with BK on our show that he is going to play more outfield or at least attempt to work on that in this spring training. Also in that game, Rondon hit a home run, a second baseman who they signed in the offseason, and Ali Sanchez. Ali Sanchez has major league experience, albeit it's something like nine or ten games of the Mets last year in the truncated uh, season. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Andrew Kisner as to whether or not he breaks camp with the Cardinals as the backup to Yachty. We'll see. So the Cardinals win at 14-9 over the Mets. Other notes from baseball, Jackie Bradley Jr. heading to Milwaukee, a two-year deal for $24 million that includes an opt-out. And Yankees manager Aaron Boone had successful surgery to put a pacemaker in so that his heart rate will stay normal. His heart rate had been below normal. He had open-heart surgery a couple of years ago, and he's only expected to miss two or three days, and then he'll be back. It's unbelievable. I I know Aaron very well, and uh, I I got to meet him a lot when he was doing broadcasting, and and, you know, good guy. And I just Mm -hmm. think, man, he's not even 50 yet in Pacemaker, and this is a high-stress job, so that concerned me when I saw that news, for sure. When I saw the headline, I thought to myself, wait, how old is he? Exactly. And I, I went and Googled it because I could not believe that someone of his age would be getting a pacemaker, but I'm glad the, the surgery went high. And how insane is modern medicine that he's only out a couple Yeah, a couple it's incredible. Um, it's interesting signing, by the way, with the Milwaukee Brewers with Jackie Bradley yeah. Jr. Boy, have they improved their defense this offseason with Wong going to second, Hira going to first, so you kill uh, two birds with one stone there and you get a gold glove guy in Jackie Bradley Jr. You got Kane coming back and you got Yelich, so it's a pretty good defense. And it doesn't happen often that 32, 33-year-old guys play an effective center field. And now they can move Kane to right and play JBJ in center and their outfield defense might be the best in the National League now. It's very good and I, I would assume this means then for sure Ryan Braun is retired if he doesn't yeah. sign with somebody else and there's no designated hitter so Ryan Braun had a heck of a career and a heck of a run in Milwaukee. Nice run. There you have it. That's our opening drive. That fairway is wide open and we're right in the middle of it. Oh yeah. It's a good thing. Very well done. Right. Uh, next up, show. what are you sick of? What, what We've got sick of it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What are you sick of today? I got to tell you, kids. Uh, Ordinarily, I am a fan of the mothership. Every morning when we're in here, we have Sports Center up on our TV or Get Up or whatever the case might be. But uh, we're talking incessantly, not we, they are talking incessantly about trades of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sick of it. Are you? Yeah. I've heard enough. You love that stuff. Well, I was telling Stop Michelle it. yesterday they were <laughs> doing <laughs> they were they were embracing debate and they had a bottom third on their t on the screen that said Seahawks say they will not trade Russell Wilson. Wilson says he does not want to be traded by Seahawks. Yet they spent a half hour talking about the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson. I I don't follow it all that much until they tell me that said individual is traded because I guess I am sick of it. Because I, I don't really follow that kind of stuff because I don't believe it's going to happen. Now, if you're talking about a different player, I might follow it more intently. But that one, yeah, I think I'm sick of it. Yeah, I, I, 
Actually, I'm in agreement with you on the sick of it. I don't agree with you that you don't follow it because clearly you're following well, it. I, I like to follow the news, but it's somewhat manufactured here. Well, that's what we do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Who is it manufactured by? Russell Wilson? Because he's the one that publicly said something on the Dan Patrick Show, and his camp is the one that let this come out. So for someone at, well, who's as careful as Russell Wilson to let stuff like this get out, even if it's through his own mouth, it tells you something. Here's the thing. is is a team that has all that money invested in Dwayne Brown and Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. Uh, are, are they going to play with $140 million rather than $180 million and a lesser quarterback? Uh, Pete Carroll's 70. He's not going to – he wants to win. Right. Uh, so I don't think that he's going to want to build for the future. Well, if you're Seattle, how in any way are you better, no matter what you get in return, without Russell Wilson? Right. You're not. Right. You're just not. Yeah. So I think Russell can pretty much say what he wants. But he's not holding out. He's not going to give up the $50,000 a day to hold out. And that's why I think Deshaun is different. Because I think Deshaun will hold out, and I don't think that Russell will. Russell Wilson, I think, is too... He wouldn't want to let anybody down. And maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see him sitting out. He'll just quit saying go Hawks, and then that'll be his punishment to the Seahawks. He's not sitting out. Deshaun Watson's going to get paid. But by who? Oh, he's going back to Houston. Yes, he is. He's a dolphin. That's he's right. A dolphin. No, he's not. By the way, did you see that Joe Douglas, he, yeah, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, said they are not going to pursue a big name player this offseason. And I don't believe that either. They, uh, he, he's, if, it, if it falls in your lap, you, you take it and you make the deal and you move on. But he's a draft and develop guy. He's not giving up three or four first rounders for a player. That whole organization that he built is on, built on the draft. I don't care. If you it. have a great player, lands in your lap, you change, and you change courses. I was reading something about this yesterday. I think Deshaun... Get mad at me. I'm telling no, you. No. I think Deshaun to the Bears. What, what team that's been in the mix with all this? The Dolphins certainly have the capital and the quarterback mm-hmm. to get it done. But what team is more desperate right now than the Bears? Right. The, the Texans could basically get whatever they want from the Bears because they need a quarterback in the worst way. And Ryan Pace needs to win big and needs to overcome drafting Mitchell Trubisky. Instead of who? Uh, Deshaun Watson? <laughs> yeah. Who they didn't even talk to before the draft. That's Might have been a good idea so to talk insane. to. You love football. You can't get away from it, and you watch it, and you're watching get up. escape it. And you follow it religiously. Just admit it. Well, then should we talk about the NBA? Because I have something in the NBA. Sure. So the NBA All-Star Game is coming up, guys, as you know. The league decided to put the game in Atlanta. Okay? Let that sink in. The NBA is putting the All-Star Game in Atlanta. Meanwhile, in the same breath, they and local officials in Atlanta are saying no parties, no big events. You know, even though there could be an economic boom, public health situation, no parties. I am sick of them pretending like there aren't going to be massive, massive parties in Atlanta. They knew exactly what they were doing when they put the NBA All-Star game there. They knew the repercussions that were going to happen. And I did a, all I Googled, guys, was NBA All-Star game parties. Would you be interested in going to the NBA All-Star Trap Gala with 2 Chains and Gucci Mane? Because that's at Domain in yeah. Atlanta on March 5th. Bobby Schmurda and 50 Cent are hosting um, 
a party at Compound Nightclub on March 5th. There's so many parties that are going on there. And you mean to tell me that none of these NBA players are going to be in attendance at any of these parties? And you've got Lou Williams' wing place, right? That's oh, Magic City? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lemon pepper wings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a shame Lou isn't in the game, but he'll make it there probably for I one think of the probably. parties. Or at least some wings. I'm sick of no movie theaters. I am too. I need something to do with my kids when it's, uh, let's say, eight degrees out and I need a, a Pixar film to come out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Yeah, I need that. I need it desperately. I wonder if during the pandemic, obviously, they weren't making movies on sets with people. But I wonder if animation continued. And it's easy to get one person in a booth to voice track the voice of a movie person. I I wonder if those sorts of movies continued to be made during the course of the last year. I don't know. I I didn't see many come out. And if if they did, I missed it. I cannot wait for Coming to America 2 to come yeah. out. Soon, right? Yeah. In a couple of days, I think. I think it might be tomorrow. Oh, okay, tomorrow. Either yeah, today or be, tomorrow. It might be over the weekend, yeah. yeah. That is, that's top-notch right there. Oh, it's outstanding. Can't wait. What if it's bad, though, Dan? It's still going to be great. Emily, even what's on the... Bad, even it's bad. <laughs> what's on the text line? From the 636... I'm sick of NFL talk. I can't wait till February. Here we go. And we need to get the XFL back. Come on, Rock. It's early March, so you're going to have quite quite a wait. <laughs> no caca this year. Oh, oh what? Dad? That's what? what it's all about. Well, no, I know that, but it's not going to oh, happen this year. year. Oh, right. I thought you Next meant year, remove caca when the no, team returns. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine with caca. Okay, I good. just... It's just not going to happen this year, but no. let's build it up and do it right and have it next year. Such great memories. Kaka was one of the most organic things I've ever seen happen with any sports team ever because it had nothing to do with the team. They didn't manufacture it. The no. fans, did you guys do it on the fast lane? It actually came from uh, a Facebook page about the Battle Hawks. Nice. Yeah. And then, then the fast lane stole it, yeah. <laughs> great. Kaka? Yeah, we aren't above stealing stuff. No. From the 618, I'm sick of not knowing when the return dates are for the injured Blues players. Well, Doug Armstrong doesn't know either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> but Tarasenko is coming back on this trip, perhaps tomorrow. When's the back-to-back? You got, uh, let's see, Blues and Kings. Yep, Friday and Saturday. Tomorrow and Saturday. I bring him back Saturday. You do that too. I don't know if I want him to play in a back-to-back. Yeah. That's I think bad. I'd go Saturday. If I'm going to bring him back, bring him back for one game and then let him rest a little bit and then start easing him back in. Chief said it's all up to Vladdy at this point. Doctors have cleared him, mm-hmm. and Baruby has told him, hey, you come to me when you're ready to play. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I want to see him back on the ice. Now, I didn't think he was great, um, obviously, in the bubble. But it's going to take time. You got to get that first injured, right? You got to get those first few hits out of the way and see how you react to it, and then maybe get back to where you were. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Coming up, we're going to head up east and visit with the very casual Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. He's next on one hundred one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred one ESPN. (laughs)
Bowman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And one of the great stories to watch in baseball this year is going to be Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles. There won't be a lot of great reasons to watch the Orioles, but that will be one of them. And they are the subject of 30 Clubs in 30 Days on MLB Network tonight. And Greg Amzinger of MLB Network is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am doing well. I just interviewed Trey Mancini. He put me in a great mood, man. Uh, he is a brother from another mother. We both have big foreheads. We've got kind of Jay Leno chins. Uh, and, and he loves uh, college football, NCAA, uh, the video game, which is coming back soon. So yeah. we're both chatting about that. I just like the guy. I'm going to root for him every time he steps up to the plate. Yeah, and just the the fact with what he is coming back from, and now you see what Aaron Boone is dealing with, and you see what John Lester is dealing with, he is really humanized. It's not just, oh, let's see if the Cardinals can trade for Trey Mancini. He's a, he's a human being. No doubt about it. I mean, uh, to, to deal with cancer, go through chemotherapy, um, you know, it was scary. He, he talks a lot about it. You'll see the interview tonight on 30 Clubs in 30 Days. I was telling Dan Plesak, who's my co-host for the show, after any of these 29 teams watch the interview, and you can see tons of interviews of Trey Mancini, if he can come back and produce like he did a couple years ago, I mean, he's a 30-homer guy, defensive versatility, first base, outfield, he can DH for, he loves DH, and not all guys are comfortable doing that. If he can show he's still productive at the age of 29, Man, I'm telling you what, there might be a guy a little faster. There might be a guy that's a little better of a defender or a switch hitter. But if the numbers are close, uh, he's such a special human being. If you watch this interview, he's one of the most likable people you ever meet. And that matters. That stuff matters. The humanity of your clubhouse matters. And uh, he's going to get moved at some point this year. And there's going to be a lucky club out there when they get Trey Mancini. Especially, Greg, if he's playing on a team that has, according to Fangrass at least, a 0.0% chance of making, making the postseason. I think that or- the Orioles should lean into Trey Mancini from a PR standpoint. Yes, but they know the future isn't going to include Trey Mancini. He's, he's too old. Their timeline to win is probably 2024. Maybe 2023, they could shock some people. I mean, the Blue Jays are ahead of schedule, so who knows? Maybe the Orioles could be the same thing. They've got pieces that, as you, as you do these shows – we sit with this incredible research staff we have, and it, we kind of walk through all the players. And Anthony Santander had a, kind of a breakout year. The Ryan Mountcastle, to me, of the guys that will be in their everyday lineup, is the most talented player they have. He has plus speed. No one knows that. He, he could be down the line. I think he's a 2020 player right now if he plays every day in left field. So Cedric Mullins is a leadoff guy in center that I'm a fan of. Uh, John Means isn't what he was last year. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back, but we're just we're waiting for Adley Rushman to take over and be the face of the franchise, the former number one overall pick. Greg, I don't think we should ever keep spring training records ever again. We have five <laughs> inning games. We have rollover innings. We have seven <laughs> inning games. We have guys that say, ah, I'm coming back in a game. Uh, yeah. It's been a unique spring training, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm okay with it. What do you think? I mean, you've been grinding on uh, spring training games for a long time in your career. Are you okay with all the adjustments to spring training? I I am. I I think as long as the patron gets their money's worth, I I think it's okay. You know, like yesterday we were doing the game, and Kim started the game. They took him out. They brought him back in. And I like that idea because I don't think it's beneficial for him just to go start throwing down in the bullpen. Like, it's better to have the opposition in the box. If you're looking to get more work or get your innings in or get a certain amount of pitches in, it's just better to face 
somebody in the box that's the opposition. So I do like that. Um, I understand that some teams maybe feel that with a limited roster that they don't have enough pitching. For instance, we had the Marlins the other day, and we were doing the game, and they decided beforehand it was only going to be seven innings. I think it's okay. I, I just want to make sure that if fans are paying a ticket to be there, that they feel they get their money's worth. That that would be my only concern. You know, I love the fact that you bring up patrons because we need to get back into the idea that they're going to be there. No <laughs> and we need to value them on every decision we make as a sport. They are, in my opinion, the most important aspect of the business of baseball. They get put on the back burner an awful lot. It's easy to understand why we would do that when you didn't see any of them. We saw cardboard cutouts. But there is no sport. There is no business of baseball. Greg Amsinger's unemployed. <laughs> there are no patrons. We love the patrons. We love the fans. And while I do understand the adjustments to these spring training games, yes, anything that can bring the, the stars back out onto the field and give the, the, the people that paid to watch it some sort of entertainment value, keep them in mind as we readjust everything that we're going to be doing down the road with the sport. Always keep the fan in mind. I mean, it's, it's entertainment, man. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. It's a game and everybody wants to win. And, and it's about getting championships if you're a franchise, but ultimately, and Randy, I'll throw it to you, but this is about entertainment. Yep. And, and sometimes we've forgotten that. Well, that, and Greg, you're, part of it, trying to show baseball in an entertaining vein, right? It is the entertaining, entertainment business at the end of the day. It is, it is. And that's why some of these young, talented players that you don't see for a while because they're in the minor leagues, you still want to see their faces in spring training. You still want to talk them up. I, we were doing the Twins the other day, and Nick Gordon, you know, D. Gordon's little brother, was a former top five pick in the draft back in 2014. He's 25 years old now taking ground balls and I, I tell our, our production staff, Hey, I want to show ground, ground show us some ground balls of, uh, of Nick Gordon. I want to get that in the show. And they're like, ah, really? Why? And, you know, he, he's probably not going to be part of the future. I'm like, but wait a minute, wait a minute. JP Crawford was a bust with the Philadelphia Phillies, right? He was a former first round pick. Mm-hmm. And now he's found a home with the Seattle Mariners. These, these talented players, that haven't put it together in terms of production with the bat in the minor leagues still have a chance. There is a patience that we must have with our athletes in this sport that other sports do not have, but there's a big payoff at the end in some cases. And we still need to remind people and the spring training is a perfect time to do that while they're being entertained by the big stars. Don't sleep on these other guys that they might be wearing number 78, but they could be an impact player either for your club or a different team that you'll be playing against down the road. Hey, Greg, folks here in St. Louis obviously are keeping an eye on Albert Pujols. Is Albert going to get at-bats with the Angels this year? I think he will, um, only because the Shohei Otani um, (laughs) saga is always so entertaining. They are more excited than ever before from what they're seeing coming out of the hand of Shohei Otani. He's hitting 100 miles an hour regularly in camp. And they think that he is now going to be their ace. He might be pitching every six or seven days, but they look at him as their number one weapon on the mound in their rotation as it stands right now in this camp. And I think that the, the, the bats will come down a bit because his value is going to skyrocket. Everyone thinks he needed to hang up pitching. Now I think pitching is where he is, is, is at his most valuable. Hmm. 
he is the most talented pitcher in that in that organization. I expect the Angels to be one of the surprise teams in the American League. I've got the Angels going to the American League Championship Series. So I don't believe Otani's regular at-bats that we saw last year when he couldn't pitch will be there, and you're going to see King Albert get a chance to swing the stick. He had a, he had a, he's had a couple knocks already in spring training. He, 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 he's never going to steal your base anymore. It does look like it hurts to run. Plantar fasciitis, it's real, folks. <laughs> I have it. I was playing basketball full court against my daughter. She's going to play college basketball next year. And this is a way for me to, you know, stay in shape. But I'm 41 now. You can't do the same things you did at 31 when you're 41. All of a sudden, my heel pops. I thought I had a bone sticking out of my foot. Mm. No, I find out later I plantar fasciitis. So now I understand Albert Pulse's pain. I'm walking around like I need to go to a, a retirement community. That's how, <laughs> that's how bad I look when I walk. So I can't believe he can run around the bases. It is a testament to how much of a grinder Albert is. It is painful, folks. And a testament to what a grinder you are, Greg, because when I watch you on MLB Network, I could never tell you were in pain. <laughs> if, you, if you pay attention, though, I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not running around the bases. I'm sitting behind a desk or I'm standing still. And while I'm standing, I am in excruciating pain. There aren't enough Advil out there <laughs> to make me feel better. I'm in my office now sitting, so I, I, I'm in a much better mood because the, I'm telling you, it is a serious injury. It stinks. It's not fun at all. Well, speaking of injuries, Miles Michaelis pushed back from his spring training start, and Cardinals fans are wondering if this is something they should be really concerned about, which I think if we follow the bouncing ball, then the conversation goes to Jake Odorizzi. Where do you think he's going to land, Greg? Right now, I, I, I immediately, uh, when we were talking about Jake Odorizzi, I had two teams in mind. The Angels, obviously. Why wouldn't you add depth? This is a team that's all in. Give him the extra year. I mean, this is the guy, perfect guy for the Angels. The Philadelphia Phillies, in that division, they need, they need more starting pitching depth. I mean, I, I talked to Joe Girardi the other day on the show, and he's like, I really like our depth. It's not enough. They, I think Odorizzi would be perfect for the Phillies. And then what happened yesterday, Frommer Valdez, who was the star of that Astros rotation, the left-hander, breaks his finger and on his pitching hand. While it was his pinky, uh, the Astros brought back Michael Brantley, not because they thought it would be a, a feel-good story. They are giving this one last go, one last hurrah, Carlos Correa's final year before he hits free agency. Uh, I think the Astros need to go get him. So I would rank it because Valdez was so important to a team that almost got to the World Series. We need to remind ourselves of that. I think Odorizzi to the Astros is number one, then the Phillies number two, and the Angels number three. There was a report late last night that said no expanded playoffs and no universal DH. And I thought by opening day we might get there, Greg. I I still hold out hope, but uh, it doesn't look like we're going to have that. And I guess that shows where we're at with both uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Well, the DH isn't going to happen. They're using that as a piece of leverage. I don't blame Major League Baseball for doing that, the owners, because that is a valuable salary that the union should covet. What I don't understand is expanded postseason. And as, I, as we sit here, uh, uh, less than a month away, I still believe the expanded postseason will come back. There's too much money to be made. And the Players Association, the, the union, they're going to get a cut, a huge cut. This is going back to the players. This makes no sense to me why they would say no to this. And I get it. They've got consultants. One is a very prominent agent in the sport who's sitting there saying, if they say the sky is blue, disagree. No matter what. The, the, you know, the league office says, we're going to disagree with everything. We're going to put our flag in the ground and make them fear an upcoming strike. 
I understand that's the advice they're given, but let's not be short-sighted here. The, the players need to understand expanded postseason is good for everyone. We're all, all of us, anyone that gets a, a check to talk about sports, anyone that gets a check to play a sport or, or, or make decisions on a roster for a sport or manage a sport, we're all caretakers of Major League Baseball. We all want it to thrive. And to be so short-sighted, if you're a member of the Players Association, and say, uh, no, you know what, we don't want to expand a postseason. We don't care, we don't care, we don't care. It means you don't care about the future of the sport. Right now, we need to do outside-the-box ideas. We need to pull those off to keep the game hot, to keep the game popular, to get younger fans excited and expand a postseason. Financially, there's a benefit. From an entertainment standpoint, there's a huge benefit. More games in October. Uh, to me, this is a no-brainer. This is, I think it will still come back. I think DH won't, but I do believe expanded postseason will be here by opening day. Hey, Greg, one last thing before we let you go. As listeners of this show know, usually you sleep in a suit. You always have a tie on. Are you wearing a tie right now? I'm not. No, I'm wearing a fleece. And let me just tell you that the, the scathing emails I sent to all of the people at MLB Network, they're like, yeah, we're going to be doing casual in the studio. I'm like, oh, my I go, You're going to have to give me a bunch of fleeces. I, you know, I just wore a polo. Oh, there's nothing worse than wearing a polo in a studio. It's just awful. I mean, some guys in a polo, the show would get an R rating. <laughs> I don't think it's good TV. So I'm like, you know what? Let's spruce this up. Send me a bunch of fleeces. They've given me decent wardrobe, but I'll take a suit and tie every day. I mean, like I said before, watching Dan McLaughlin walk around in a $5,000 suit when I was in college, I was like, this is why I want to get in the business. It was actually suit and eight. tie is a way to go. It was actually eight. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no big deal. <laughs> It was a hand-me-down? Yeah, it, it, it really was. It was no big deal, though, Greg. <laughs> so is this just for spring training, or is this for the rest of the time? Uh, no, are you kidding? I'd be looking for another line of work. <laughs> no, I, I would I would sell insurance. Anything I could do to wear a suit and tie, I would not do this. No, um, no this is just for 30 clubs and 38. Okay. Uh, our, our sponsor, Camping World, likes the casual look. So oh. as, as we all know, we're shills for money. So that's why I'm wearing this. Hey, we're going cash on our games, too, for spring training, and we're doing it virtually. And i got to tell you, my boy Jimmy Edmonds gets very chilly, so he has to put on a hoodie. (laughs) There's little old Jimmy over there, eight-time gold glover, all bundled up in his hoodie. He's chilly. I love it. I'm telling you, it's a different game when you're wearing a polo. It is. It is. It's very cold, but we'll get through it. Greg, we'll be watching tonight, 30 Clubs in 30 Days on MLB Network. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time, and have a great day. Uh, you guys are the best. Take care. See you. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network. Yeah, the fleece uh, doesn't look bad. It's just it's just so not Greg, right? I was shocked when I first saw him in the casual look. Not Greg at all. Yeah, it's off brand. Oh, you, you just gotta you gotta adjust though, guys. And he Adjustments does. Are huge, yeah. But how about that? He's uncomfortable in casual. <laughs> He's comfortable in a suit. Yeah, you'd think he'd be pumped. Yeah. I like being casual. Me too. I'm a casual. I'm casual. Yeah. Give me casual. Just give me a little warmth. That's all I'm asking. Coming up, take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 Tioli on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time for 
104. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, kids. This is an, an old story, but it's out there again. Nellie's old mansion, $2.2 million out by Hidden Valley, is available to you for $599,000. Uh, take it or leave it. There's another rapper that should just continue the tradition in that home. Another local rapper. Are you breaking some news here, Randy? I haven't. Or should I say Randy MC? I, I have not. TMC. <laughs> I, I have oh not yet good. put a what contract on What am I doing in my house. life? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe. Think Are you thinking about doing it? Oh, me and Nelly, yeah. It'd be great. You coming back? He's actually got some traveling equipment in there, some road equipment in the house, too. I don't know if you still get it. Is there a studio where you can mix your beats? Yes. Okay. That's all we need to know. That's important. Production room. I looked at that house, not to buy, just as an interested bystander. Mm-hmm. Um, looked like it was kind of unfinished. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Some of it was unfinished. I'm not sure if he ever moved in or what he did with it. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Got a full-size basketball court out back. I saw, I thought, my kids would have loved that. Yeah, pretty cool. Wouldn't it be awesome just to live in Nelly's former house? You know what I think we should do is all of us should throw money in the pot. We should buy it, renovate it, and make it an awesome Airbnb where people could just rent it out, have a great weekend with their friends now that everyone's starting to gather again once everything's safe and we're ready to go. Think about how fun that would be to get your friends together, have a house party at Nelly's Mansion. That'd be great. Six five seven eight zero. Hit me up if you're interested. I Watch have parties. Ideas. Watch HMU. parties. Yeah. H- <laughs> Is that the uh, title of your next single, Randy? HMU. Might be. <laughs> Hit me up, Dan. Hit me up. HMU. <laughs> what has happened to you? <laughs> He's wearing a Reese's peanut, peanut butter, butter cup, cup hat. hat He's got uh, a biking thing. Pedal cause, man. And you're ready to bike, too, because you are wearing, with the thumb coming through, if you're a biker out there, you would know that's got the, yeah. what, what would you call that, Randy, at the, the end thumb of thing. the thumb thing, yeah. where your thumb goes through the end of it. It's and, really protecting the bottom portion of your hand. Yeah, you look great, man. Thank you. Went for a nice bike ride yesterday. It was like 72 degrees. Adorable. It was adorable. Awesome. Oh, a little adorable. I got an adorable out of it. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. All right, I have one for you guys. We know that Vladimir Tarasenko's return is imminent. We'll likely see him this weekend. T- weekend. Take it or leave it. Vladdy scores a goal in his first game back with the Blues. Taking it. Mm. I'm going to leave it. They're going to do everything they can to get him a goal in his first game back. I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to say it's going to be good to see him out there skating. I want to see. I'd rather see him get hit and bounce right back up. And have no ill effects, obviously, mm-hmm. and get into the flow of the game. Now, if he came out and got a goal, that's icing on the cake. Just get out there, survive the hit, get hit on that shoulder. I'll take that. He got hurt against the Kings a couple of years ago. That's right. Uh, take it or leave it. College coaches on these Zooms should be more cordial to reporters. I bring that up because there was a problem with Coach K. Then he then apologized to a student reporter. And now in the last 48 hours, Jim Beheim has gone after a reporter. You've been there, done that, Jim. Do you really need to be going after a reporter? Just answer the question and yeah, move on. Just be nice. Not hard to be nice. Look, I, I get it that you're in the heat of the moment at times with these games in any press conference setting, including Zoom. Just answer the question and move on. I'll, I'll take that. They need to be more curt. Those guys need to be more cordial. Now, I will say this. There are some, I've, I've been a part of some press conferences, and there are some bad questions that get thrown at these guys. Oh, you bet there are. Bad. Really bad from the media. So I think that they get frustrated with the ineptness of some media members. 
Mm-hmm. And I can understand that, but just it's part of the job. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm, answer the question. And just move on. Just just give them a one line and move on. I was telling Michelle there was a Cardinal Zoom the other day where a reporter asked Wayno what he learned from Austin Gomber in his six years with Austin Gomber. And Wayno said, six years? The guy said, well, he was drafted in 2014. Wayno said, well, he was only in camp for a year or two. He goes, yeah, but what'd you, what'd you learn from him? <laughs> said, well, and then when Wayno very cordially yes. said, yeah, we had a lot of talks and I really like him. And I, I know about pitching in Colorado, so I talked to him about that. So Wayno asked. That, that's what I mean. I, there are ways to do it. Yeah. Now, coming off a loss or coming off a, a really bad loss or you get blown out or your team in your eyes as a coach quit on you or in a game or or a last second shot or something like I get it I mean but there's a reason that you have a cooling off period and they advise the players use the cooling off period Mm -hmm. you have 10 minutes in Major League Baseball to cool off before the media comes in and part of that idea is to either take a shower or go find a spot to kind of get your thoughts ready because the media is coming in and that's part of selling the game to talk to the media. Right. And as a manager, or as a coach, you've got to be able to do that. And a player with any level of intelligence is going to be able to know what questions are coming. Yeah. You have to anticipate the questions too. Yeah. I'm actually surprised we haven't seen more players and coaches snap on people because of the Zooms. Because when you're in the same room as the media, it's different. You can look at the person. You can yeah. sense their body, body language, language, their tone. When you're on a Zoom, especially when there's all of these small boxes of media mm-hmm. members, you can't really determine a lot of stuff. And even if players and coaches are using the cooling off period, if you're just talking to a little screen and you can't decipher some of the little nuances that you might have been able to do before, I'm surprised we haven't seen more guys go off because they they feel that immediate reaction from someone in person. You think the late great Dennis Green just had black outrage and what didn't even see people in front of him when he was going? They are who we thought we were. They were. Some of those are great. <laughs> I mean, now some of, some of that stuff is the best. Yeah. You know, sound bites that live on forever. forever. But uh, the, the point I was bringing too with when I'm talking about Coach K and I'm talking about Bayheim. I mean, these guys have been around forever. Yeah, they know better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. I can see younger guys, maybe, and I'm not making it. Man, I'm forty. Yeah, Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm forty. I'm not taking. I'm not making excuses for it. But sometimes you just, you would think, man, you've been around the block here for forty years doing this. Just to just blow off the question, answer it with however you want. It doesn't have to be a great answer, Mm -hmm. but then move on. You don't need to get personal with people, right? Emily, what do you got for us? From the 636, take it or leave it, the NFL should get rid of the tie and adopt college overtime rules. Yes, I'll take that. Ties? Randy loves ties. Yeah. The sign of the apocalypse in America. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I will say that that's a good idea. Get yeah. rid of the tie. I don't think there should be a tie. And the college rules are great. They're fun. Give everybody a chance to touch the football at the end. From the 314, take it or leave it, there's no point in watching the NCAA tournament if Duke doesn't make it. Leave it. Leave, leave that. Leave it. Leave it. Might as well throw Duke, Michigan State. Uh, there's some others. Mm-hmm. The Blue Bloods. Kentucky's not going to be in there. Kentucky is going to have a losing record in the SEC for the first time since Rick Pitino took over Kentucky way back when. It's amazing. Wow. 
That can't happen. With all the talent that comes in through that program, wow. That's amazing. From the 618, take it or leave it, Golden Auto, go back-to-back at least five times this year. Golden Auto, back-to-back. I'm going to leave that. Five times is a lot. Five is a lot. Five is a lot. I think you will see back-to-back, though. I do, too. How about two? I'll take two. I'll take two. For sure. Three. I think three might happen. Three, wow. I know it's going to be fun. Yeah. Boy, when you guys watch the game, have you guys watched it at all? Mm -hmm. It's just a different lineup. When those two guys come up, man, it's just a different feel to this team. Yeah. I mean, you were waiting last year, at least I was, doing the games like, okay, can we roll this thing over to get to Goldschmidt? And now mm-hmm. you're you're saying, okay, now let's roll it over to get to I'm, – I'm excited <laughs> about Dylan Carlson. I'm yeah. excited about watching Arenado. I'm excited about Goldschmidt. I mean, there's some damage there. It's going to yeah. be different. Seeing Arenado in, the, in a Cardinals uniform, too, still is a little foreign to me. It is. When I see it, I, fun. I, it is so fun. I get excited seeing him every time, but I'm like – until we see it consistently enough, I'm not going to believe it's real. I talked to John Mosellock before the game two days ago, and uh, and we have private conversations all the time. But one of the things, and this isn't like it's a private conversation, but yet I'm sure he wouldn't mind it's out there. I said, what's it been like with Arenado? You know, what, what's mm-hmm. he been like? He's like, he's like, he's a baseball he, in Mo voice. He's like, well... <laughs> He's just a baseball rat. He's he's like, this guy loves baseball. And he's like, he has just been perfect. You know, he's everything we wanted. He's like, he's fit in. He's he loves baseball. He's just been absolutely perfect. It's like he's been here from day one. Awesome. Yeah, it's been great. So and watching him, too, I we have cameras before the games that, that have a chance to see the interaction of the players and watch him warm up. You watch him warm up. Holy cow, is he good. I mean, he mm-hmm. just his hands. You can see if you watch baseball a long time, you watch guys and how soft their hands are, how they move, their footwork. He is going to be so much fun to watch defensively. I, I just cannot wait. Although I'll say this, Nolan Gorman's made some really good plays. Good. I'm not ready to move Nolan, though. Or Anato. Uh Out of the organization. You, you or to second. to second. Yeah, I'm not going to do that yet. Not yet. No. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. How did the Blues come away with a victory last night, and can it continue the way they did it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Your St. Louis Blues with a 3-2 victory over the Ducks last night in Anaheim. You heard it here on 101 ESPN. The Blues 3-for-3 on the power play, and the Ducks were 0-for-3 on the power play. So those special teams coming around for the Blues, and especially with the PK, that's something that Craig Berube has been waiting to see. Yeah, they got a lot of guys landing on the line there, um, blocking shots. Great to see. Uh, penalty kill was really good tonight again. Penalty kill's been good for a while. Um, I think, you know, the guys have done a real good job. And it's, uh, you know, it just shows, you know, our guys that are they're dedicated and they want to win. And they're a real tight group, real tight team. And uh, when you lay it on the line and block shots like that, that's what shows. And something Tory Krug is a specialist at is the power play. And he's also been waiting for a great special teams game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's been a long time coming now. Uh, but 
obviously that's the the job of the PP and the PKs um, to to do the job that you're asked and uh, push your your team into a position to come out with a win and, and that's what happened tonight. So uh, it was good. Hopefully we can keep this momentum going. It does feel like this has been a long time coming. Heading into the season, didn't we say we thought this would be the most lethal power play in, in, the, league. in the entire league? And even with so many injuries that the Blues sustained, we were looking at the, the guys who were still there and saying, why isn't the power play better? So Tori Krug is absolutely right. And hopefully this momentum with the power play continues because the Blues are going to need it. Blues are in a long road trip right now. They've got the Kings uh, tomorrow night. We'll have it for you pregame at 7. Cardinals, by the way, have just announced that 32% capacity would be a for fans 32 percent capacity uh i bring that up because i wonder do they start to allow more fans at enterprise center going forward i would think so and last time we talked to chris zimmerman is it because it's outdoor yeah. or is it indoor well i i think it's going to be a gradual thing for the blues he said it's not going to be the biggest story of the day when we had 100 fans each game so i think slowly but surely the blues will go up but the cardinals because it's outdoors i would think that that would be one of the reasons that they allow 32%. Now back to last night, Bennington, really good, I thought. And it's, they've been, you know, we talked about in our first hour. I I just think they've been playing him so much. I think another thing that's happened on this road trip, big picture with the Blues, is that when Huso came in the other night and allowed you to win that game, and then you come back with him the other, the, the, the game after that, it just gives you a little breather with Bennington. Right. You, you, you have to... As much as I want to watch him play and I want to put him out there every night, you can't. It's like watching a pitcher in baseball. I'd love to watch a guy throw every night that I could ride out there. You can't do it. And and maybe you can buy yourself some time on this road trip with another back-to-back coming up this weekend with the uh, L.A. Kings and split that time. And give when Benny Ten is rested, he's as good as anybody right now in the league. He is really good. And with the schedule set up the way it is, Huso was probably online to play about 20 games and still probably will wind up playing that many. Meanwhile, Oscar Sundquist found himself on the power play. This is a guy that 17-18, his first year here, I said it on the air. I said he's the worst blue I've ever seen. Now he's turned into one of the most important players on the team. He's great. And you said that. You said he's one of the worst you've ever seen? 17-18. He was right there with Craig Cox, man. He, he was he was bad that year. What about Adam Creighton? Adam Creighton kind of scuffled. Got a lot of minutes from Iron Mike too. Yeah, he did. But he was he had actually played in the league and done something. <laughs> right. Yeah, he did. Now okay. you look at Sonny. He's on the power play last night, scoring the first goal. I mean, obviously you need to you need to believe in yourself, and, and uh, it feels like I've been getting more and more comfortable with with playing with these guys now. And last like I said, last couple of games, it feels like we've been outworking the penalty kill and really creating some scoring chances so just it's just that you're growing with the confidence and when you when you get to be out there with those guys and and especially when you're creating chances uh, almost every power play so it's like i said before it's a it's a nice feeling to be out there with them i'm really happy that he has turned into the player that he has and he's a guy that i'm sure if you asked him in a private moment would say man i i owe everything to craig berube Because even until Yo was fired, he wasn't performing at that level. But Ruby said, hey, you're an important part of this team. And he was on the PK in that fourth line and would move him up to the third, second, or first. And now you got him on the power play. He does everything. Well, he just mentioned having confidence in yourself and how important that is. And that's why having a manager and or a head coach that can manage the personalities and know how to push certain buttons within each individual is oftentimes as important as it is to be great tactically. 
So it's good to have him going, and he'll be going again tomorrow. The Blues, again, three for three on the power play, scoring all three of their goals on the PP last night. And they allowed no power play goals on three chances for Anaheim. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, John Mozalak joined MLB Network Radio yesterday and talked a little bit about what the Cardinals might do at second base. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Your Redbirds announcing this morning that in cooperation with the City of St. Louis and Major League Baseball, they have received approval to welcome guests back to Bush Stadium for the 2021 season beginning on April 8th. Bill DeWitt III saying that the uh, reports of the new COVID-19 infections have continued to decline in St. Louis over the past month. That's Frederick Eccles, the acting director of health for the City of St. Louis. And therefore, the Cardinals are going to allow 32% capacity of that 44,494 seat facility. That means, as I go to my, uh, let me think about this. Uh, Michelle, Dan, you're probably going to be able to sell about 14,238 tickets. Very well done, Randy. Right Thank off the you. top of your head. Yeah. Wow. I'm a percentage guy. Mega Not bad at all. For a reason. Yeah. Say so that number again. How many? 14,000? 14,238. That's great news. So 14,238. Uh, Cardinals are in Miami on the first road trip, correct? Are they? I believe so. Okay. I think Cincinnati, Miami, and then come home for the opener. Um, And this is, again, I don't mean this to be disrespectful to various franchises in Major League Baseball, but there are are times that you walk into certain stadiums and 14,000 is what they've got. I mean, that's yeah. that's what they have on certain nights. Um, so I would assume that we would easily get to 14,200 plus on a nightly basis. Dan, you are correct. It is Cincinnati, then Miami. Yeah, Cincinnati, Miami, and then open up at home. Um, it's just great news. Now, uh, the government was saying that uh, that by, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, by, by the end of May, was it? There will be the availability uh, for every for American every to be American vaccinated. Be vaccinated. I, look, I'm not a doctor. I think we all probably, you know, try to play epidemiologist here. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't want to play a dangerous game going down this road. However, I think a lot of people are wondering this in sports. If that is the case and you have, and let's just push it back to be safe. Let, let's go end of June. Yeah, so that everybody, let's just say because the 4th of July. It takes a month for everybody to get vaccinated. Sure. It's yeah. available for everybody, but then another month for everybody to get. Right. So do sports teams then fully open up? Do you, you know, the numbers are going way down, which is so wonderful to hear mm-hmm. in any walk of life, whether it's sports or not. It, it's just awesome that people are getting vaccinated and that we are seeing the numbers go down. Do, do you see a scenario in which Major League Baseball or next fall with college football, and there are already some teams saying that we will be opening up. Alabama has done that. I think Texas has done that. Mississippi Mississippi's another one. Um, where by the end of the season, the baseball season, going into hockey as it pertains to St. Louis, uh, college football, pro football, that we are opened up. Now, will you have to show a vaccination card? Do you have to put it on a smartphone? You know, I, I just think it's fascinating how you're going to do it. Now, when you go to the ballpark, there's going to be ticketless transactions. There's going to be, I think, probably you're going to use your credit card if you want to go buy, mm-hmm. you know, your favorite beverage or whatever you're want, wanting to do. But mm-hmm. um, it's just great to get people back in in facilities. And some notes 
people will, will obviously be socially distanced at Bush Stadium. Masks will be required for everyone who is in an area of the stadium, including the seating bowl, unless you're actively eating nachos mm-hmm. and Nacho. or drinking a $13 beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mobile-only ticketing, as you mentioned, Dan. Cashless transactions, designated entry gate gates with your ticket. Bags will not be permitted, which is nothing new, although the Cardinals have allowed coolers in the past. Hand sanitizer will be available, and there will be staff health screenings for the people that work at the ballpark as well. It seems like logistically they're covering all their bases, but back to your your question, Dan, I think we will see sports open up maybe even as soon as June or July. This is a business after all. And if people are getting vaccinated in mass quantities, and I don't know if it's going to be you have to have your vaccination card or just following the protocols that Randy just outlined, but this is a business. And these are organizations that went an entire year without getting yes. any yeah. any ticket revenue. So I would imagine that as soon as they feel like they can safely expand it to full capacity, they're ready to do so. And yesterday was the first time in America that we had eclipsed 2 million people being vaccinated in a day. Um, talking with people that are down in, in Jupiter, I said, what, what's it like? You know, I mean, it's 80 degrees and the sun sometimes is beating down on you at that ballpark and you're asked to wear a mask. And they said they have between innings, you know, the, the ushers are going up and down and trying to be as, uh, you know, vigilant as they can um, about going up and down and saying, hey, if you don't have a soda or a beer in your hand, you know, Put up your mask. You're going to have to wear your mask. And that's the the way that we have to do it right now. And we'll see if that loosens as we go along with vaccinations or however they want to approach this. But just the bottom line to have people back in the stands. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but even watching the games, it is such a difference seeing mm-hmm. some semblance of people in the ballpark. I, and I know there's a lot of empty seats, but man, just having somebody there is different. Right. It, yeah, it's I just agree. better. I mean, now the crowds at a minor league game, like basically when you're watching spring training baseball, that's like watching at the, if you're watching yesterday, the sixth inning on is like watching a minor league game. Yeah, Florida State League. Yeah. And it's about the amount of people that you would have there too. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? 1,200 people. It's still better than nothing. And Still better. Absolutely. And last season, when we would watch the games from home, you guys did a great job on the broadcast with the, the crowd noise. It it got, it was something that at least I adjusted to. It'll never be the same as having fans there, but it, it got normalized a little bit. But when Randy and I went to the ballpark and we got the opportunity as press to be there, it felt so hollow. It felt so oh, yeah. cavernous. And from a player's perspective, crowd noise is what it is. And you're, you're a professional athlete, so you're going to lock into the task at hand. But I wonder what it's going to be like for players to have fans back in mass yeah. quantities, what that's going to be like from an energy standpoint, from a pressure standpoint after an entire season without any. I think it really affected a lot of players. I, I talked to some of the players about it, and they said just the everything that they had to do just to get ready for a game, whether it was the, the protocols and the testing was one thing. I, hey, it is what it is. But then you'd walk out there and no one's there and you couldn't feed off the crowd. Um, and some players talked about simply just having their, their wife there, their girlfriend mm-hmm. there, or their mom, their dad, their kids. That made a difference. Yeah. And some of them are even having that now at spring training. They're like, I can look up in the stands and I see a loved one. And that makes a big difference for me. So that's good. Meanwhile, we're at MLB Network Radio yesterday. And obviously with the departure of Colton Wong, Cardinals are trying to figure out who's going to be at the top of their order. And he talked about who he is looking for, what he's looking for in that regard. Ideally, it's just someone who has a high on base percentage. It's, it's someone that, you know, sets the table for your two, three, four, five hitters. So, you know, ultimately, 
I think that's what's going to probably drive our answer. And to your point, it could come in you know different sizes and shapes. And obviously, Carp is someone that has done it in the past. Tommy Edmonds has some experience doing that. And that may be where we settle, but I think we should remain open-minded and you know not be afraid to interchange lineups from time to time, regardless of, of who ultimately gets that spot. Last year, by a wide margin, Paul Goldschmidt had the highest on-base percentage for the Cardinals. He led in average on-base percentage OPS, and uh, he's not going to lead off. So someone yeah. else has to figure it out. I, I would imagine, guys, that they give Tommy Edmond the first crack at this and see how it goes. I, I wouldn't be opposed to looking at when a left-hander's on the mound, uh, Harrison Bader maybe getting a shot at it. And uh, I, those would be two guys I'd look at initially, and I'd also look at Dylan Carlson potentially. It's such a long season. Things have a weird way of working themselves out and trying different things. There is no set – there's nothing set in stone, I, I don't think, coming out of this spring training. I was surprised, even though he's historically had success in, in that spot, to hear John Mosley throw Matt Carpenter's name out there. I The problem with – now, look, if you look at Carpenter as a leadoff guy, the numbers have been – they jump off the screen. I mean, yeah. they've been great. Here's the problem. If you've got Matt Carpenter in that spot, it takes three hits to bring him in. So if that's what you want, I mean, he gets on, he could walk, Mm -hmm. but it's going to take a base hit to move him up, another base hit to move him to third, and another base hit to bring him in. It's just where it is, where if you have a Tommy Edmond or Harrison Bader ball in the gap, they score from first, potentially. Mm -hmm. Matt Carpenter's probably not going to do it, and that's where... You know, the numbers look great. Yeah, he's getting on, but you've got to have guys behind him with potentially three hits. And Bader last year against lefty Dan had a 360 on base, which yes. would have been second on the team. Yep. So pretty good. I was just going to say real quick, you want to know who had the highest OPS on the team last year besides Goldie that's still with us? That's Harrison Bader, right? Harrison, Harrison Bader, Bader. Yeah. yeah. So that's he, he did some good things last year. Yeah, I he had a really down year in 2019 18 was okay 20 was better than most people want to dive into if you dive into the numbers especially against lefties that's the direction you have to look at and I think the other thing that you have to look at too is that when you have a right-hander on the mound which is roughly about 70 percent of the time if he struggles what do you do do you roll Harrison Bader because he's not improving right now against right-handed pitching he's going to have to show improvement starting from day one against right-handed pitching on opening day. That's Dan. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. Uh, Emily, who do we have coming up with the fight? Joshua. Uh, Dan is going to be rooting for Joshua. In I, the fight. Well, we got to listen to what he has to say first. Oh. Okay. It's next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on this Thursday. Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mack, who's here with us. It's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger today. Joshua is with us. What's up, Joshua? How are you doing today? I'm well, Michelle. How are you? We're doing well. We're just hanging out here. Joshua, what do you do for a living? I'm in property management. Okay. Um, 
Do you think you can beat Randy? I mean, do you have confidence? I mean, are you a sports nerd like he is? Where, where are you on the, on the scale here? Um, I have said my prayers this morning, and I'm hoping for the best. Okay. All right. That's good. Well, good luck to you. You know what, Joshua? Thank you. Great, great play there. Ask the big man above. To, Absolutely. To give him an assist here. Well, I hope you're a basketball fan, Joshua, because here's the first question. Happy birthday to Golden State Warrior star Draymond Green. Where did he play college basketball? Was it Duke, Michigan State, or Kentucky? Michigan State. What year did former Cardinals outfielder Jim Edmonds win his sole Silver Slugger Award? Oh. You want to give him the options, Dan? Oh, yeah. It was either uh, 2002, 2004, or 2006. You you would have to assume 2004. Um, I'll go 2004. All right, Joshua, another birthday shout-out to former U.S. men's national team star Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan played for two MLS teams in his soccer career, the San Jose Earthquakes and was it Los Angeles FC, Columbus Crew SC, or the L.A. Galaxy? Uh, what was the first one? Los Angeles FC. FC or Galaxy. Let's go with... Uh, the, uh, let's go with that galaxy. And who was the first head coach to win four Super Bowls? Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, Chuck Knoll. Bill, Bill Walsh. All right. Bill Walsh. Checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Before we came on the air, Randy was, or excuse me, Dan was saying he thinks there's one that he knows Randy will not get correct. I think, Dan, you're going to guess number three. That's correct. Yes, okay. Yes. Number three might trip up Randy. Randall, say good morning to Josh. Josh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Randy, question. Josh, that's where you're supposed to say thanks. No problem, <laughs> and I listen to you all morning, every day. Thanks, Randy. I listen all the time. You are amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. And now, Danny is definitely cheering for Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fire away. Question number one, Brandy. Happy birthday to Golden State Warrior star Draymond Green. Where did he play college basketball? He was a Michigan State Spartan. What year did former Cardinals outfielder Jim Edmond, Edmonds win his sole silver slugger award? Sole silver slugger. I am just going to play the chalk here and say that it was uh, in that MV3 season of 2004. Randy, we have another birthday shout-out to former U.S. men's national team star Landon Donovan. Oh, all right, Landon. Landon Donovan played for two MLS teams in his soccer career, the San Jose Earthquakes and... L.A. Galaxy. Oh, Randy. Who was the first head coach to win four Super Bowls? I'm getting choked up because Chuck Knoll won four for the Steelers. He won in 1975, 1976, then missed in 70. No, I'm sorry, 74, 75, missed 76, 77, won in 78, 79. Wow, this was a really tough fight, but Emily, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker! you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. I'm going to give a little play-by-play here. As you hear Jack Buck's voice, Randy reaches his arms out, looks up to the sky, gives us the the essential Kevin Garnett, anything is possible (laughs) pose as he 
Oh. <laughs> and now it's Sammy Sosa. And now, and now the double chest pound, the kiss to the sky. What's wrong with you? <laughs> He's just, Randy, you didn't even know this because you were in the cone of silence, but Joshua uh, he said his prayers this morning to beat you. So yeah. it seems like the, the big man above was on your side today. I'm surprised you got number three, but go ahead, Michelle. Joshua, I'm sorry. Great effort out of you. You got three correct, but Randy, he's Megamind for a reason. He got all four correct, even though Emily tried to trip him up with the soccer question. He knew it. Um, so let's reveal our answers here. Draymond Green did play his basketball for Tom Izzo at Michigan State from 2008 to 2012. They are under 500 by the way, in the Amazing. Big Ten. They're 14-10 yeah. and 10 overall and probably don't make the uh, NCAA tournament. What year did Cardinals uh, outfielder Jim Edmonds win his sole Silver Slugger Award? That uh, award that was the 2004 season, the MV3s. Pujols, Edmonds, and Roland guys combined to hit 122 home Ooh, runs that year. year. Wow. Wow. Um, even though it was a soccer cre- question, people don't realize, Randy, huge Landon Donovan guy. Huge. Oh, yeah, and LA Galaxy is my squad until the, we get STLSC going. That's right. But we, he, Randy, of course, knew that Landon Donovan played for the San Jose Earthquakes and the LA Galaxy. He was there from 2005 to 2014 and then a return engagement in 2016. Who was the first head coach to win four Super Bowls? And indeed, it was Chuck Knoll. Randy got that right. Joshua went with Bill Walsh. And it is Chuck Knoll. Randy, four for four. I'm, sh- I'm shocked on number three. I really am. Joshua. I'm laughing. Joshua is no longer with us, Randy. Oh. He hung up. I think you upset him. Yeah, he was great. He was great. But was thank great you, Joshua, if you're still listening for playing. Hey, we've got a really cool thing happening. It's up on our board here. You need to download the 101 ESPN app, and we talk about it because it's so fun, so you can use the mic drop feature. Right now, if you download the 101 ESPN app and register, and if you listen, you get more opportunity. What do I always say my favorite thing in the world is? My Traeger grill, right? Yeah, of You course. can win a free Traeger grill by signing up and registering on the 101 ESPN app. So do it yourself. Tell your friends. And it's not just a Traeger grill. We've got $500 cash on the line. We're also giving away a Nolan Arenado jersey. That's right. A tailor-made golf bag, which I understand is uh, sweet or or fleek. Somebody said fleek. Fleek, huh? Yeah. A rolling cooler, a 101 ESPN prize pack, a 101 ESPN jacket. We just got those jackets within the last couple of weeks. They're nice. They are very nice material, confirmed. But Randy will tell you that uh, a Traeger grill will change your life. I also will confirm that because Randy makes a great, great carrot cake on the Traeger grill, so you'll want that. But with the Cardinals announcing mere minutes ago that 32% capacity is going to be allowed at Bush Stadium starting with the home opener on April 8th, a lot of people out there wanting a Nolan Arenado jersey to wear when they finally get back into Bush Stadium. So you can win that too. Just download the 101 ESPN app. It's, it's, it's app madness, and you can register, and the more you listen, the more you have an opportunity to win. Real quick, we got a text from Joshua. He says, thank you. The connection broke up after question two, but I heard the score was four to three. Good job, Randy. Love the show. Thank you, Joshua. Appreciate it. Love the show. And I'm glad that uh, you aren't bitter. Because some people do just slam the phone down. (laughs) Yes, some people, no names mentioned, are bitter when they lose. He also says, caca. 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 Coming up, we're going to be that person is Randy. Maybe. I don't know, Dan. You Mm -hmm. tell me. Uh, I'll tell you. It's Randy. (laughs) Arms outstretched. Yeah. It's you, Randy. We're going to talk some blues hockey coming up with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Vladimir Tarasenko will return to the Blues lineup sooner rather than later. And our friend and Blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us now on 101 ESPN to talk about that and more. JR, great to have you with us this morning. How are you doing? Good to be here, guys. Doing well. JR, as Randy mentioned, great article at The Athletic about Vladimir Tarasenko and his imminent return. And we know that Vladdy is going to be confident in himself when he finally gives the Blues the green light that he's ready to play. The Blues are going to be confident in his surgery and the rehab process. But you and your piece outline what doctors think about this. So from people who haven't worked with Vladdy but are medical officials, what do they think we should expect from Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, I spoke to uh, three physicians uh, who've done uh, orthopedic surgery, especially on shoulders, uh, their entire careers, and uh, just got their thoughts on Tarasenko coming back from this third surgery on that same left shoulder in 28 months. And one thing, when you listen to fans or, or even media, uh, I've probably been guilty myself, is when you hear that he has an injury once, twice, three times to the same shoulder, it seems like a chronic situation. And so, when you ask the doctors, hey, will that come back? If he gets hit again, could we see a similar situation? And they said it, it all depends on what type of surgery he had. And so they kind of ran me through what they would have done after the first one, after the second one. And so that first surgery, Michelle, you, you probably have a soft tissue repair. It's probably a, a labrum. The second one, you might go for a, a more stabilizing shoulder to, uh, surgery to stabilize that shoulder. Uh, a ladder J is the, the proper name for that type of surgery, and perhaps he had that. That's the thing. We don't know because the Blues don't tell us. Tarasenko doesn't tell us what type of surgery he had, but these are three experts who told us what protocol they would have followed in terms of uh, what surgeries he would have had. So bottom line is they felt that uh, based on um, him getting a more stabilizing shoulder, either the uh, surgery the second time, that they think that he could be fine and could be the player that we remember. Do you think they want to go with back-to-backs, JR, or do you think they just give him a single game this weekend, let him get his feet wet, and also to, to follow up on that, where does he fit in, in the, on, on lines and, and the, you know his line mates and where he uh, fits in the lineup? Yeah, Danny, it's a great question, and you can make the argument both ways. You really can. For years and years, I've heard coaches and general managers say, when you're in, you're in. So you play the guy, you don't sit him the next game. And once he gets cleared, he's in. So, you know, do you have a situation where you, you play him Friday against L.A. and then you sit him Saturday in the back-to-backs? You know, not based on what I've heard from coaches and, and management over the years. It could be a situation because the Blues do have back-to-backs that you don't play him on Friday and you play him Saturday in L.A. in that second game. But I did hear Jamie Rivers, our, our good friend, make a, a really good point. He said, uh, you know, the first game of back-to-backs is when the team is fresh. They're coming off the day off. And so you want to put Tarasenko in a position to uh, succeed. you got fresh guys, teammates on the ice. So perhaps that's a reason to play him on Friday. I think there's a real good chance uh, he plays one of these uh, L.A. games and then you swing back by San Jose where the, uh, the trip started. Uh, the six-game road trip, so in case any of the Blues players forgot some socks or a tie or whatever in San Jose, they can swing back around and, and get that. But we'll definitely see uh, Vladimir Tarasenko in one of these three games, if not uh, a couple of them. Is he in what the players and the coaches call hockey condition? I, you know, I don't think you can be. I really don't. And, uh, you know, I did the math on, on Tarasenko. We all know he's been out for a long time, right? But if you go back to uh, the Stanley Cup, so beginning the following season after the Cup, 
Vladimir Tarasenko has played 14 regular season games basically since the Blues won the Cup. So this isn't a situation uh, where he's, he's missed six months and he played a few games. This is a situation where this guy hasn't played hardly, if any, hockey at all um, the entire uh, two years. And I realize he's in the same boat. I talked to his agent, Mike Lute. He's, he's in the same boat as a lot of players because of the pandemic. The league was shut down. Uh, but Tarasenko, you know, his time off goes back further than that. So he can get all the conditioning he wants, Randy, in, in practice. But as we know, uh, it's going to take three, four, five, six, seven games, I think, before you see a guy who even remotely looks like he's in game shape. So basically, our fans need to adjust their expectations accordingly. Yeah, I think so. And Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby have said that. Uh, recently, both of them have, and uh, but they said that they, you know, like I was saying earlier with with the doctors, uh, the shoulder specialists, that they believe um, that he he can be that player. And so Doug Armstrong called him instant offense again, a generational uh, score. And uh, when he gets right and he gets the timing back, and don't forget, there's a lot of new faces on this team, so there's going to be perhaps some chemistry issues early on too, not just the conditioning. So he's going to have to get over uh, the chemistry that we saw with this team early on. And to go back and answer Dan's question, uh, I think uh, you'll see him probably with uh, Braden Shen. That seems to be uh, where the Blues like him and, and maybe a David Perron's on that line. But things have changed in the past few days since since Tarasenko skated uh, with those guys. So, so we'll have to wait to see when he plays. JR, the Cardinals announced this morning uh, 32% capacity uh, for their fans coming back to Bush Stadium. Do you see it opening up a little bit at Enterprise Center as we get closer to April and May? Yeah, and that's great news. I cannot wait to buy myself. I heard, uh, Michelle, I cannot wait to buy a $13 beer. <laughs> I just want right. to go down there. Hey, 105 degrees, I don't care. Bring it on. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do see them uh, opening it up uh, slowly but surely. They've done so, Dan. You know, they started out with the 1,400 fans, and then I think it was increased to, to 2,000. You know, obviously, uh, that's you know, pretty good, all things considered. You only see about eighteen or 19,000. So, um, you know, I think they're, they're, they're being responsible. I went down and interviewed some fans when they first opened up and said, do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable? And, and they said, yeah, everybody's got their mask on, socially distanced. I do remember uh, one fan had, had uh, his mask pulled down a bit. The usher came up and said, sir, could you please you know, pull your mask? And, and he did. And so, you know, as, as long as the people who go down there are responsible, I think you make it a good thing for the rest of the, the fans who are trying to get down there in larger numbers. JR, when Doug Armstrong talked to the media about all the injuries the other day, he did say that Tarasenko was a country mile ahead of everybody else and really didn't know, like, about Bozak and Schwartz. Uh, I don't think they really know about Pareko. Should that be alarming to Blues fans that the Blues are saying, we really don't know when they can come back? I think a little bit alarming, but I'm glad that the, the Blues are, are being honest. I mean, these are three injuries that nobody could know. You, you just don't know. I mean, Tyler Bozak, upper body injury, it's believed to be a concussion. He skated with the Blues, what, a week, week and a half ago, and then he wasn't on the ice the next day. So it seemed like that didn't go well for him. We know Colton Pareko has a back injury, and so they've shut him down, and it's going to take some time. You know, they can... They can uh, take a look at him every day, and it's not uh, going to get better necessarily, and they don't know when it's going to get better. And then I reported uh, yesterday, I believe it was, that Jane Schwartz, uh, according to a source, has an oblique injury. And so um, that's a tough situation too. So, uh, you know, with the timetables, they're able to give it for guys like Barbashev with the ankle surgery, Thomas with the, the thumb surgery. 
so on and so forth, but you just can't put a timeline on these three types of injuries. I don't understand why guys get oblique injuries. I always go back to Rod Beck, the old major league reliever, who said, you can't pull fat. I think one of the, <laughs> like Whitey said, these guys need to eat a hot dog and drink a beer. That's, <laughs> they just need to be in worse condition, man. I've never had an oblique injury in my life, and perhaps uh, we know why now. Yeah, we, we don't even have those muscles, Jr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, JR, the Blues three for three on the power play last night, and this is a unit that we expected to be incredible out of the gate for the Blues, and it took some time for them to get there. But what are you seeing differently out of this power play unit that's allowing them to have the success we always thought they should? Yeah, three power play goals. Hey, hey Danny, uh, don't the Cardinals, if they score six runs, you get like a free soda at On the Run? I think Blues fans ought to be able to go On the Run today and get like a full tank of gas, a case of <laughs> beer, and a sandwich or something. Three power play goals. Uh, that's the most this year. Uh, that, it's terrific. I think last night what they did is they were aggressive, uh, went to the net. Sanford's been really good, Zach Sanford, in front of the net. Uh, Braden Shen's got a great shot. We've seen that. Uh, he put another one in last night. Uh, we asked Craig Bruby after the game, and he credited uh, assistant coach Jim Montgomery. Uh, they really did their X's and O's last night against uh, Anaheim's PK and took advantage of some things they saw in the film. And, hey, listen, everybody's going to say, oh, it's Anaheim. Listen, the Ducks have the 10th best PK in the league. So this wasn't one of the bottom in the league. They did it against a good group. Uh, give the Blues credit. We've been credit, uh, criticizing them all season for the power play, and it was really good last night. Will you split the uh, goaltending duties this weekend with the back in, uh, back-to-back? Yeah, I would think so. And, uh, you know, you go Bennington. He looked really good last night. First time he's ever lost three in a row in regulation in his career. He comes back. He gets the win. Also was coming off uh, that situation in San Jose. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch asked him last night, so what happened, Jordan, the other night in San Jose? And he said he got ticked off. And he said, did, uh, did uh, San Jose players chirp you? And he said, no, not really. I wanted them to, but they didn't. So <laughs> now we know that uh, he really wasn't enticed. He, he really was that upset to go after those guys. So uh, Huso has been shaky, Dan, but they can't go away from him. They, they have to give Jordan Bennington some rest. So I would expect that you'd probably see a split. JR, Alex Ferrario, and his bride Katie had a new baby the night before last, Adelaide, actually yesterday morning. So you'll be filling in for Alex Ferrario on BKM Ferrario today. Yeah, congrats to Alex and Katie. Wonderful people, wonderful couple, the family. And uh, Miss Adelaide, welcome to the world. I can't wait to, to meet her. And so Alex gets some much-deserved time off. I was trading texts with him last night. And, and what a shirt. I'm sure you guys have talked about it. But uh Wearing the little onesie that says, I listen to my daddy on 101 ESPN. That uh, <laughs> was some outfit they had put together. So congratulations to those guys. And, yeah, I'll see you guys in a little bit. We'll be in the studio. It was adorable. Adorbs. Yep. <laughs> see you, JR. Take care. See you guys. This is our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. Next up, Albert Pujols has 662 home runs. If he would hit 20 this year, would you want to see him here so that he could chase 700? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and Albert Pujols has a chance to become only the fourth player ever to hit 700 home runs. Barry Bonds has 762, Hank Aaron 755, Babe Ruth 714. 
And if Albert gets close to that mark this season, he says he'd like to keep playing and try to get to 700. He told USA Today, if I'm close to it, why not? I don't try to chase numbers, but 700 is a big number. So the question is, he's in his last year with the Angels. They probably aren't going to re-sign him. If you're a Cardinal fan and we get the DH and we're playing in 2022, do you want him to chase number 700 as a member of the Cardinals? Perhaps at the expense of winning games. I don't. As much as I would love to see it, and as much as I think St. Louis would embrace having Albert back in St. Louis, I think the novelty of it would wear off so quick, especially with the intrigue surrounding this team right now and what they could be. There's a chance that this team could be pretty good. And if you have the emergence of any of the young players that we've talked about, I can't imagine it sitting well with Cardinals fans, even though they love Albert Pujols, to have potentially one of these young players or someone who's actually produced getting at-bats taken away for Albert to chase a number. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it. I don't think it'll ever happen. I'd love to watch it if he was close to that. I miss watching the guy play every day. I called all his games or, I don't know, 98% of them, Mm -hmm. and there was something special that almost happened on a nightly basis. And I mean something special that was either a home run or a great play or a chance that he took. But now you're just talking about one little portion of his game. You're there to watch him hit a home run. I got to wonder, even just outside of St. Louis, what would be the appetite for a team to sign him? And he'd have to be a DH. He's not going to play the field. As we talked with Greg, if you watch him play now, and I do watch him play, it's it's a struggle for him to run. Um, So I I don't think it's going to happen. I I always get people tweeting at me and texting me. Is he the player to be named later in the uh, Fowler (laughs) deal? No, he's not. Um, So I I don't think it's going to happen. Would it be fun to watch happen? You bet it would, but no. And and I think Michelle, you're a hundred percent right. It would, it would come at the expense of winning games potentially. I don't think the novelty would wear off pretty soon if you watched him play and he's a shell of himself, which he's not the player that he was when he was here. He's just not. The first quote, he said, I don't try to chase numbers, but 700 is a big number. He later said in the interview, if I don't resign with the Angels, I'm going to have to find a team that will give me that opportunity. I just wish I had been able to stay healthy and didn't have those injuries. Can you imagine if I had kept the pace I was on when I was in St. Louis? I'd have 800 home runs by now. He would. He would, but the problem is you can't beat Father Time, and he had injuries. The Marine layer sometimes in mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles. I wonder if there's been some balls that have knocked, been knocked down that normally he would get here, and I, I do think there's something about playing at this crowd and feeding off the energy of St. Louis. Um, all those things, I think, are factors. I really do. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You can also leave us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. And I know that our Facebook page, Michelle, had asked this question, and we got a lot of responses there, too. Yes, this is from Chris J. from our Facebook page. He says, no, absolutely not. I never forgot all the times Albert said, I want to stay with the Cardinals, and it's not about the money. But then he chose the money and ran. None of you would want Sam Kroenke and the Rams back, so why would you want Pujols back? That's apples and oranges to me. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um, this is an interesting one. And, and can I add one yeah. thing here? Albert Pujols has done infinitely more for the St. Louis community than Stan Kroenke ever did. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 314, the city was captivated by 98. A chase for 700 would easily be welcomed here. It'd be exciting, and he would generate and garner a ton of interest. I don't think anybody doubts that. The city was captivated by 98 and 70 with a guy that still was in the prime of his career. 
that's another factor to to consider. Albert is not. And again, he's only going to be a DH. And does it come at the expense of other players that, that you could fill that spot with that help you win games? And remember what a grind it was for Barry Bonds to get to 755 and how long it took him to get from... 725 to 755. I, I, yes, when. And that Al- was a grind for him to get to the milestones that he got, Albert. Yeah. Last year. So, so the, just think about this because, yes, you'd be captivated by 700 once he got to 697. But what about 682 to 696? How long is that going to take? And is it going to cost you games? And is that going to be captivating? Is it a big deal when he hits his 687th home run? Here's the thing, though, guys. Uh, I don't know about you, even at a diminished ability to play this game, I would buy a ticket to go watch that man play. I still would. And that's something that you have to factor in, too, is just in this city, not take out what he's doing, going for 700 and um, and, and playing. I, I would just, to watch him play again, I would buy a ticket to watch him play. To say one more time, I saw the what I think is the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever seen. I would go watch it. I would do that. I would go buy a ticket. And so in this city, in this city, you would in this town. I mean, you would have so many people that would go and watch him play. It would be incredible. It's kind of like watching, you know, Yachty. In what may it, first of all, I don't think this is final season. Now, if he came out and said at the All Star break, this is my. This is my final year. That place is going to be packed mm-hmm. down at Bush Stadium. Um, and I think the same thing with Wayno. If he says this is it for me, every, one, place, of every one of his starts is going to be sold out. This city loves their players, man. Yeah, It's just a different different deal when you talk about Cardinal baseball. From the 314, you got to keep in mind, Pujols is 50 now. Come on now. David Sampson isn't right. Hmm. David Sampson, the former Miami executive that is saying that Albert lied about his age. Yeah. Paraphrasing, but right. Nathan M. brings this comment up on our Facebook page. He says, guys, nostalgia doesn't win championships. I would agree with that. He's right. He is. It certainly brings in a lot of people. It does. Hey, just go back to 1963. Stan Musial played his last year. Pretty good year for the Cardinals. 1964, they won the world championship. Sometimes... A great, and Tony LaRusso has said, the, the hardest thing to manage is a fading superstar. Sometimes a really great player in his twilight years can be an anchor on the success of the team. Someone, Darren, excuse me, I had to find his name, said, absolutely bring Albert back if there is a DH. The mentorship in and of itself is worth his final year being in St. Louis. But I think they already have that with so many players on yeah. this team. They're not they're not void of a leader or void of guys who are willing to mentor the the next generation. I like this from the three one four. I would have paid to go watch Gibby and Lou play at the age of eighty. <laughs> same, same though. <laughs> um, this one is interesting. I have no ill will against Albert, but would rather play for a championship than see him in his declining years. Remember the ten unbelievable years he had here. We'll never see anything like that again. And. That is something I think that a lot of fans, if if you're not watching the Angels play on a nightly basis, you're not seeing the current Albert Pujols. Sure. And I'm not saying he is an awful player because he's not. He He's still going to get his knocks and he's going to hit a home run here or there. Um, and you're going to have a milestone here or there. But, man, he is not the player you remember. No. 
He's no. just not. And that would be tough, I think, for some fans to see. And to your point, the novelty would wear off mm-hmm. after a while. Now, that final couple of months of watching him play would be pretty neat. Uh, if you said, this is it, he's going out, and now I'm watching this. The final time I got that ticket to yeah. watch this man play, that would be the novelty. That would be the cool part of it. But when I think about the story, just the entire story, the breakup was bad. The breakup was really bad. But when he finally returned to Bush Stadium, everything was absolved. It was a great weekend. He even said this is one of the most special, if not the most special moment of my career. Everybody got to welcome him back. He hit a home run. It was the perfect ending. Yep. So why would you, if you're him, want to risk that? Yeah, it won't, won't get any better than that. It won't get any yeah. better than that. So even if you come back, and, and if you're out for pool holes and you're one of the greats in, in the game, and you're not consistently playing up to that level, you know Cardinals fans are smart baseball fans, and that the novelty will off and why would you want to be a novelty if you're him i don't think he would want that even though he's chasing a number he knows that here it's not going to be received the same way consistently if he's not performing that place would be packed every night i think it's gonna be packed every night anyway because this team is interesting and people want to get back to bush stadium i agree i i just there would be a sold out crowd every night if you knew this was his final year do you guys agree with that that would be sold out every night yeah absolutely would it be the best park for him to go and hit home runs where they don't really care about winning. Good question. Would it be Cincinnati? Would it be Philly? Colorado? Philly wants to. Philly's trying to win. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, since I mean, they're all trying to win. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the smaller bar, ballparks where he would have a chance. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of home runs he could hit in Cincinnati. Yeah. That's yes. Philly, uh, yes. Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And I wonder, and obviously things can change dramatically in a year, but you have to believe that Tony would have some interest. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt. Although I I will say this, Tony, he has got that, uh, he's got a heart. may surprise you, he does. Mm -hmm. He does have a sentimental heart. Um, He wants to win. Yeah. At the end of the day, he wants he was to, to win. win. Especially Baltimore now, would, yeah. more than ever, yeah. he, he knows that this isn't a 10-year project. I was yeah. thinking like Baltimore would be another place. Yeah, good, good, good thought. They're not going to win, but you hitting that ballpark? Yeah, be the DH. And maybe if you're one of those places, and I don't know what the, the fervor of the fan base would be to see that guy play. See, it's different here. I mean, people mm-hmm. want to see him play. If you put him in a Baltimore uniform, would people come out? Eh, I don't. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I want to touch on one other thing. Sharon and Glencoe referred to the David Sampson comments. She said you might want to scan the latest article from the Sporting News about Pujols lying about his age before you incite the return love fest. That was a comment made by David Sampson. I can tell you this factually. After 9/11, the federal government and Major League Baseball did a deep dive into the ages of players from Latin America, and more than 300 players were found to have falsified their ages or names. Carlos Macias became Carlos Martinez. Uh, Miguel Tejada was another one. They didn't find any evidence that Albert or his family had falsified his age. Now, that doesn't mean that we know what his true age is. But what I'm saying is that after 9-11, when they were, when the federal government wanted to learn everything they could about everybody that 
wasn't a citizen of this country that was in the country, they didn't find anything. So maybe David Sampson did a deeper dive and found something, but he's the one in Major League Baseball that's saying something like that. Also, regardless of his age, does it really take away the point that we're trying to make that fans would welcome him back and he would still be chasing a record? His his quality of play is is really what you're looking at. And I don't think that's going to change dramatically based on his age. I think the other thing too, what what if you have a and man, I hope it doesn't happen, but a lockout or a shortened season oh, if that would point. if he would that would encourage him even more so to say, hey, it's shortened season, so maybe I want to play in a shortened season, or he just says, I don't want to deal with you know, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have that hanging over my head of if and when we're coming back. You know, and trying to stay in shape and be ready. Those are factors, too, I think, that maybe play into this. Potentially could. We'll see. I would be surprised, by the way, if he would get to 20 homers this year. Last year, let's see, two years ago in a full season, he hit 23. The year before that, he hit 19. The year before that, he hit 23. So he's maybe he hits 20 this year, and then you hope that at the age of 42 that he could hit 20 more for you and get to that mark, 700. And be, and, and be fourth all time. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go with. You're killing me, Smalls. Question for you guys. Do you believe in aliens or extra, extra extraterrestrial activity? I do not. Absolutely. You do? Sure. Okay, well, Baker Mayfield's with you, Dan. So he, yeah. he just tweeted this. Maybe oh. I'm out now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's see if you yeah. agree with him. So he says, almost 100% M, his wife and I, saw a UFO do- drop straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner. We stopped and looked at each other and asked if either of us saw it. Very bright ball of light going straight down out of the sky towards Lake Travis. Anybody else witness this? Well, I got to say, we live in a massive universe. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to think that we're not the only ones here. I, that's just my personal opinion. Maybe a little different, but that's where I'm going. And it makes you're killing me small's work. <laughs> so here's Randy's a flat earther, by the way. Is he? Kyrie oh, yeah, style? me and Kyrie. Because I, I went down that YouTube that's right. rabbit hole, and I, yeah. th- I that's what I determined. Yeah. That's okay. okay. And it's not just flat earth, man. What else? I, I believe in a lot of stuff. Well, give me an example. Yeah, we're getting a new president today. You want that? A new that president? That just happened. Huh. Oh, yeah. QAnon, man. They're all over that. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, all right. Well, here's my question for you guys. Here was what I thought you, you would be the, the talking point Oh, at the capital. Well, we're getting our guy back. Okay. All right. Good. Sorry. You're killing me, Smalls. Right. So I was just thinking, if it was, in fact, a UFO that Baker witnessed, would he be the quarterback or the athlete that you would want to speak to the aliens? If the aliens came down and you could have one athlete be the liaison between us as humans on Earth and the aliens, who would the athlete be? Johnny Manziel. Yeah, feeling dangerous today. (laughs) I got to go Johnny Manziel. Can can that count? Even though he's not technically in the league? Or do I have to have a current quarterback? I would say current. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. It could be any athlete. Oh, any athlete? Okay. And I don't know if we'd call Johnny an athlete. Kyrie. (laughs) You think it'd be Kyrie? It's got to be Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say before you said anything. Kyrie. 
314 says Tim McCarver. <laughs> <laughs> would he be wearing his scarf? Absolutely, he would. I would, would. love that. I would um, love Tim McCarver. <laughs> they even quoted him. It's a big universe, man. <laughs> that would be great. I was thinking initially Tom Brady, because if we can't make sense of a 43-year-old quarterback being able to do what he could do, maybe the aliens would see Tom and they'd think, these humans on Earth. I don't know if I want to mess with them. Another good one from the 314 has Marshawn Lynch. Uh, 636 has Dennis Rodman. Uh, that would be, be good. good. He yeah. is known for his uh, <laughs> his peace negotiation talks, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So Dennis Rodman might be good. There's got who in baseball would you want to be the liaison? Is there anyone on the Cardinals? Paul DeYoung's pretty smart. Maybe we send Paul DeYoung yeah. out there. DeYoung would be my guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he'd have a very highly intellectual conversation with the alien, as long as the alien is highly intellectual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah, I think, I think Paul could get into it for sure. We'll have to let him know that we nominated yeah. him. <laughs> I wonder if maybe they just decided, well, if they're going to take, if they're going to put a ship on Mars, we're going to send something to them. Maybe, maybe. Maybe Mars just said, hey. It's a big eye universe. For, eye for an eye. <laughs> And Man. this is an obvious one that we missed, but Michael Jordan already has experience with aliens. Yes, he does. Jam, so he, yeah, would, he would be a great person to talk mm-hmm. about the Monstars. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so this story has gotten some run. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, former Steelers quarterback, he, back in 1983, was everything. He was one of the most successful quarterbacks in Super Bowl history, and he actually had a, a shoulder issue. He, he had... Uh, muscle tears in his throwing arm and he had to have surgery and when he went in because he was so famous the doctors gave him an alias they gave him a fake name so terry bradshaw was talking to the tampa tribune about this and he said i didn't even know anything about it about the fake name i walked into the hospital exhausted the doctors wouldn't let me eat or drink for 24 hours they took me to the emergency room pulled down my pants gave me a pre-op shot and boom that was it when i woke up after the operation the doctor came into the room and told me they used an alias so i could rest without being bothered he said, your name is Thomas Brady. That's really? how this happened. Tom Brady. So Terry Bradshaw, one of the great quarterbacks of all time, at that time, the Tom Brady of now, his alias was Thomas Brady. Pretty good. That's amazing. So like that was that. back in the day, back not in now. in 1983. 1983. Wow. Well, things come full circle, don't they? Yeah. But of all the names to give him, that's right. so Brady. weird. Probably yeah. they were thinking Brady Bunch back in the day, maybe. Yeah. You know, easy oh, show. Call. Yeah, good call. Um, and he's go, oh, okay, Thomas Brady. There it is. Well, who knew? Who knew? You know, guys on the road are always using aliases. Yeah. Because you don't want to get woken up by a fan in the middle of the night at three in the morning to wake you up before a big game. They're always on. They always have aliases. Yes. Not current guys, but is there any funny aliases that you can remember from back in the day? I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, but I, I, I didn't know if you knew any of them. I mean, there are fun. Usually, it's like old westerns, you know, things like that. Maybe cartoon characters. Mm. I can't think of one that comes to mind, but you know, it might be Spider Man or something like that yeah. that's in there. But yeah, you have some odd ones for sure, Emily. I was just gonna say Thomas Thomas Brady, Terry Bradshaw, probably just easy oh, to TV. remember too. TV, yeah, TV twelve. Makes sense. Yeah, 12. Wow. There you go. Bizarre. Yeah, makes sense. We'd have to, I'm going to think on this. I wonder what our aliases would be. Do you have an alias? No. Oh, I shouldn't have asked you that because people are going to try to call you. The text line is saying aliens. Uh, Cece Sabathia used uh, George Jetson. George Jetson. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. I bet the 
people at the front desk get a kick out of that when oh, somebody famous sure. is checking in what their alias is. Yeah, you get a, you get the well, you get the you get the desk or you walk into the hotel. They get the keys laid out. Everybody knows their room. You go, and the alias is there. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so funny. I mean, because you would think if the starter, like in baseball, if a starter was going in a day game in Chicago the next day and we're getting in at, you know, one in the morning, there are fans that will try to, you know, get to that particular individual and call them and wake them up in the middle of the night. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, Wayne Gretzky's middle name is Douglas, so he just used Wayne Douglas. Okay. Wayne Douglas. That works. Smart. Because anyone calling up is going to say, I want to go to Gretzky's room. Yep. For sure. You're killing me, Smalls. By the way, we're getting some interesting alien liaisons on the text line. I love this one. What about Ed Orgeron? What about Coach O? That would be perfect. He's tough. (laughs) Go Tigers. He's tough. They couldn't understand him. What would the aliens do with Coach O? They'd go back home and say, all right, we had enough. We learned enough. (laughs) I don't want to mess with these guys. (laughs) Okay, so one more thing about Tom Brady. So Joe Montana was on first take. We know he's a four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got a lot of accolades. But Stephen A., and Max asked him, who's the GOAT? Here's what he had to say. And insofar as there was ever a consensus that there was a GOAT among quarterbacks before Brady, it was you. Joe Montana was the guy, it seems, that Tom Brady has now replaced as the consensus GOAT. How do you feel about that? Is there a GOAT in the NFL? Was it you? Has Brady replaced you? (laughs) Oh, I think Tom is, you know, taking his place on the top up there a long time ago. So he's had a tremendous career. It's fun to watch. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's always there, – everybody always contests over that. But I think but if you look at what Tom's been able to accomplish in his <clears throat> time that he's played, I think it's, uh, you know, puts him definitely up there in the top of the list. There's a lot of great guys. <clears throat> As I said before me, even, you know, you go back to Otto Graham, who won 10 or 11 championships. So – um, it's hard to compare them, but, you know, if you're looking at it, yeah, definitely Tom at that point. I know Danny Mac loves goat talk. So. Oh, yeah. So you I heard love it from, goat talk. You heard it from Joe Montana, Tom I, Brady official. I, what I found interesting, and I think it was in that interview, Joe Montana uh, said that he had a conversation with Tom Brady, and, he, and they asked him, well, what was your advice to him? He said, play as long as you can. Play until they rip the jersey off you. Don't listen to other people. Play as long as you can, which I found interesting because at that position in that sport, you would think that there be, might be some that would say, hey, you've done enough. Like, mm-hmm. you can't do any more, although he, you can win another championship, but you are the GOAT. You're the best that has ever played the position. You have nothing else to prove. Go out with your body intact. And, and Joe Montana is saying, hey, man, keep going. Keep playing. I, I did find that interesting in that conversation. I wonder what Brady would do now when quarterbacks can't be hit. Well, that's what, he's done an amazing I, job I mean, of getting Montana. Rid- Montana. Oh, yes, what Montana he'd would be keep now? playing. I mean, I think of, of when Burt hit him in Montana yep. when they were playing in the Meadowlands, and he hit the. Do you remember that, yep. Randy? And he hit the, the the turf so hard, and it, it was painful to watch him come up. He, I'm sure he was concussed, and he was woozy and dizzy. We didn't know about concussions as much back then, but he got hit a lot. Brady doesn't get hit. No. His last play in the NFL, Montana's last play in the NFL, he suffered a concussion. That's right. So it's a different game, and that's. I, I think Joe is right. You get, you have to look at the goat as being the goat in the time period of when you played, because yeah. the game changes all the time. It does. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up next, we are going to get ready for the Dan McLaughlin show. Is BK with you today? He is good. I think because he's doing the. Uh, 
show with Alex, and he's also are doing the show with JR in place of Alex. But BK's also doing blues pre and post, so he's a busy man. Yeah, this he is. Week. Mm-hmm. But we'll cross things over towards those two next time. One hundred and one ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. <laughs> Saddened to hear that tonight's Cardinal game isn't on TV. I'm bummed. Not on TV. Uh, next telecast will be on Sunday. Cardinals and the Astros at noon. Boo. I know it was a thing for you because it's your livelihood. But Michelle and I talked about this, how when we didn't have baseball for that stretch at the beginning of last season, that's kind of like the the milepost for my day. I build my day around Cardinal baseball mm-hmm. and watching you guys. My life was a mess when I didn't have that. Oh, Randy, I don't want to hear that, that it was a mess. No, it was, really. It was I, weird. I had no organization in my life. I have very little organization in my life anyway, but I had none during that stretch. And I felt like there wasn't as much of a sense of urgency. Not not only were we not doing anything, but when you know that the game is starting at X time, you have to get your stuff done before yeah. the game. I think baseball is over six months majority of the games start at the same time it's just a rhythm i always use this term a rhythm to the season and whether you're in the sport like i am or the players uh people that make a living off it but as a fan there's a rhythm to the sport Mm -hmm. too you know you you think about monday through friday majority of your games are probably at at 715 645 but roughly around that time might have a thursday day game uh your weekend games are day games so you kind of know that you might be grilling or be outside with your kids or you're on the lake or whatever the case may be and watching and listening to the game there's just and you know it's daily that's the other thing you know there's a baseball game just about every day for six months and that's I, it's hard, but that's the beauty of the sport. And I think we use the word grind. You got to grind this thing out. You got to grind it a bat. You got to grind through a sport. And that's the the beauty of, of baseball. I, I love it. Personally, I think that's the the fun of it is trying to get through the sport, um, the late nights, the long games. I, I, I love that part of it. I do. I wonder, because the players do talk about how much they love the fans here. But I wonder if, in general, they pay attention to or appreciate the day-to-day scrutiny, how we do 162 games like an NFL city does 16 games. No, I I don't think they do. I I think players, you know, for instance, if the Cardinals would lose a tough game, and and fans may not want to hear this, but it's in April or May or June, July, um, and we as a fan base, you wear it. Like the next day, you're talking about it constantly. How could they lose that game? They were up by four in the ninth, and they brought in this guy, and, and he walked two, and the next guy came in and blew it. And as a fan base, you're mad. Players, because they have to, put it behind them. Now, I'm not saying that the guys that, that gave it up don't think about it, because they do, and they're just like, oh, ho hum, it's no big deal. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's you know another game tomorrow. But in a way, you have to. Because if you don't, it'll eat at you and you'll be out of the league mentally. Yeah. You, you'll be fried. And yes, it, it, do they think about it? Sure. Uh, especially the individuals that it affects. But collectively as a group, um, you sit there and say, yeah, tough loss. But hey, we got another one today. And the ones that you have in September do sting a little bit more than you have in April and May because you got time on your, your side. But as a fan base, you wear it. 
And as a player, you can't. you got to just put it behind you. You had 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Yeah, you were terrible. The next day, everybody's talking about it in talk radio. It's written about in the paper. Um, the water cooler talk is about how Player X was terrible that night. Player X, is is he thinking about it? Yeah, he's thinking about it. He's a human being. But collectively as a group, are they putting it behind them? Yeah, Definitely. they have to. They just have to. I always think the mind of a professional athlete, especially a professional baseball player works, is so fascinating to me because you're right. They do have a very short memory. They need to be able to turn the page quickly. But I bet if you went back and asked them in September about that loss in April, they're going to remember it. The good ones do. And they'll remember the Mm -hmm. nuances of the game and how they lost and what their performance was. Because when when we talk to players and they tell stories and they can remember things like that, it always blows my mind. I'm like, how can you mentally turn the page the next day and move on from that and be able to perform but still have it in the back of your mind to use as fuel or or something like that? Tim McCarver is unbelievable at remembering the years of particular games that – and I'm not even talking about a famous game. I mean, he's like, yeah, 1972, it was June. I think it was June 8th, and we were at the vet, or not the vet, but, you know, old, whatever, this ballpark. And um, it, it's just like, wow, how do you remember that? And he'll remember how you were pitched, how uh, he was calling the signs. Now, he's a catcher, so he remembers how mm-hmm. to, you know, call the signs for a particular player that's at the plate. But he remembers, and I... When we first started working together, he would bring up all these dates. And sometimes on my scorecard, I would, you know, be like, okay, May 18th, 1969. All right, let's see that. And I'd go back to baseball reference. I'd be, I'd be damn, man. That, that actually happened on May wow. 18th, 1969. And it wasn't a no-hitter. It wasn't like a four-home run game. It was just a random game in that season that he would remember. Certain players have that. Um, a lot of players now, they do notebooks. Like John Nagowski does a notebook. Nolan Gorman does a notebook. Some pitchers do a notebook to where they can go back and remember, not just with the video that's available, but they they like to keep their own personal notes of, okay, this is what I was thinking in the, the at-bat, and here's how he approached me, but this is what mentally I was thinking that won't show up on video. A lot of guys do that too, which is interesting. We're looking forward to your show with BK coming up. Todd Wellemeyer, former Cardinal reliever and starter, will be our guest. And I'm sure we'll uh, break down what uh, took place at Cardinals camp yesterday and what we can look forward to today. Carlos Martinez gets a start tonight. Nice. One of the all-time fun guys, Todd Wellemeyer. Yes, he is. He's uh, another guy that thought outside the box. Yes, Very much outside the box. He would be a guy I'd like to see hook up with an alien. You know, (laughs) let's have a conversation here. What are you doing? What am I doing? Okay, let's talk. (laughs) Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, great job as always. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football.
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today.